wellness episodes are becoming some of my favorite episodes on this podcast, and this episode certainly ranks among them. Today on the show, I'm so excited to have Dr. Molly Maloof, author of The Spark Factor, The Secret to Supercharging Energy, Becoming Resilient, and Feeling Better Than Ever, which was released just this week. Dr. Maloof writes that we all have a spark within us, but for many of us, and especially women, the demands of life have begun to dim that spark. The Spark Factor teaches us how to reignite that spark, and you'll definitely want to listen in to our conversation. Plus, I learned a new term from Dr. Maloof, biohacking. Very interesting stuff in this episode, including why exercise is so critical. So no more skipping workouts said not condescendingly to you, but rather to myself. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Maloof. She provides health optimization and personalized medicine to high achieving entrepreneurs, investors, and technology executives. How cool is that? For three years, she taught a pioneering course on health span in the wellness department of the medical school at Stanford University before launching her own company, which was inspired by her unique philosophy of health, some of which we'll talk about today. Since 2012, she has worked as an advisor or a consultant to more than 50 companies in the digital health, consumer health, and biotechnology industries. Dr. Maloof is on the frontier of personalized medicine, digital health technologies, biofeedback-assisted lifestyle interventions, psychedelic medicine, and science-backed wellness products and services. So yeah, she knows what she's talking about, and I am so pleased to have her here today. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. So grateful to be here. Thank you. Loved this book. And, you know, not to be too totally cheesy with this play on words, but what sparked, pun kind of intended, what <laughs> sparked you to write to write the book? Um, well, I've been a biohacker since before biohacking was a term. And I remember really in... I think it was, let's see here, in the last 10 years of building my medical practice, mm-hmm. I became, you know, I really started with the whole hypothesis that there's something to this idea that energy deficiency precedes a lot of disease. Mm-hmm. And when I discovered this, I was like, oh my God, this whole medical paradigm I've been taught is kind of, it's it's not necessarily as accurate as I think this, this new paradigm is all about. And I had met some great friends who were not doctors, but had taught me about the role of energy and health and the role of mitochondria and health. And really the spark of life begins in the mitochondria. So when the sperm meets the egg, there's actually a zinc spark that sets off um, cell division, but there's also the nature of, of uh, reproduction is that the egg contains mitochondria and the eggs mitochondria are what are passed down. And the eggs mitochondria are what power the actual cell division of life. Mm-hmm. So if you, that, without mitochondria, you do not have a person. Like you do not have, a body does not grow. You can't transcribe the genes. There's no, um, there's no way to actually create life without energy. Mm-hmm. So you can have a cell, we can have an egg with, 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 um, with the genes in the egg, but if it doesn't have mitochondria, it's not going to survive. And so that was, that's what really got me really thinking about energy. 
because energy is what enables us to transcribe genes into proteins. It's what also enables us to maintain our bodies, to do work. So we breathe air, we eat food, these things go into the cell and the cell literally turns this into electricity. And that electricity is the spark of life that keeps us alive. It's, it's literally um, what's called bioenergetic capacity. It's mm -hmm. energy capacity. It's literally having enough batteries in your cells and capacitors, which is, these are all physics terms to basically give your body the power it needs to be alive. And so if you think about like, that's a really complex way to describe the spark of life, but let's just, let's just boil it down for the, the people listening. Yeah. So if you don't have energy, you don't survive, right? If you have a house that doesn't have energy running through it, everything will break down, right? Like alarm systems won't work. Things will break in the refrigerator will melt. The AC won't work. Things will start to mold. Like you, you name it, it'll break. And so without energy, you can't maintain the structure. So it turns out that cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and dementia all have one thing in common. There's often insulin resistance hmm. and insulin resistance is a symptom of mitochondrial dysfunction and energy deficiency. It's a symptom that there is metabolism breaking down. And a lot of our modern lifestyles will damage the, this, this, this function of our cells, right? Yeah. When we eat less food, we eat um, processed food. We don't move our bodies enough. When we stress out too much, what we're doing is we're breaking the mitochondria. We're breaking the energy organelles and we're not getting enough energy to maintain the body. And the body starts to manifest as disease in, in metabolic diseases. These are the number one causes of dysfunction in our country. And, and, huh. you know, like the biggest causes of death. So if you really look at life that way, it changes the whole paradigm of health. And it really shifts the paradigm away from just diagnosing and treating disease with drugs and surgery, but really asking ourselves, how do we create more energy in our cell? How do we, how do we literally enhance that spark of life? And how do we get our bodies to actually function in an optimal way? And the book really breaks down biohacking, biohacking energy for women, because a lot of the same things that work for men don't work for women the same way. And we have to be a lot more vigilant and careful with our bodies as we biohack so that we maintain proper hormone balance. You have, that was the best answer, first answer to a question I've probably ever had on this show. You literally answered like five of my questions and uh -huh. that answer beautiful. And I love how you so beautifully said that, but I also want to bring us back to the book. And I think this is beautifully written as well. So speaking of the spark of life, you write, there's a spark of life inside each of your cells that powers your body with electricity. Some call it chi. Is it chi or chai? Yeah. Chi. Chi. Okay. Or prana or life force. It's a concept that exists in every culture and mythology because it is universal, but it's not a myth. All life arises from this spark. So you, you, you touched on this, but is there anything else you'd like to say about that spark? I mean, well, the most interesting thing I've noticed by living my life on zoom is mm -hmm. you can really see when a person is shining brightly or yeah. somebody dim. And it's really obvious. I walk around, you know, cities and I walk around, um, you know, different countries and you can literally see how alive a person is by just looking at someone, so you know, true. Somebody, somebody who has that spark of life and who's really vibrant. They don't have sallow skin. They don't have, they're not like, they're not dull and dim looking. They actually have a brightness and a shininess. They have wider eyes. They have you know, healthier gums, they have clearer skin. And in, it's funny because I was actually in Miami recently and I saw this beautiful woman 
who had really terrible acne. And I could just, I just wanted to tell her, you, you don't realize this, but you probably have metabolic dysfunction. You probably have some insulin mm-hmm. resistance. You don't even know it. And, and just when I used to get acne really badly, when I was younger, I, um, I had a terrible diet and I was drinking soda and I was eating chips and I was eating, you know, you know, Fritos dips and all sorts of stuff that I knew was bad for me, but I was just, I was like, you know, a teenager. And it was when I started really fixing my insulin resistance and fixing my blood sugar problems that my skin changed. It actually became brighter. It became like more luminescent. It became clearer. My, 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 my skin actually totally cleared up and I used to get really bad acne on my back. And I know a lot of women have hormonal acne Uh and only time I ever break out is when I eat lots of refined carbs. Mm -hmm. When I eat, if I eat lots of sugar, if I eat lots of refined carbohydrates, my skin will inevitably get some zits. And it's like a lot of people don't know that insulin resistance plays a major role in acne formation. And so it's like, I really wish more women and more, more teenagers knew this because it's just cutting out, you know, like a lot of people don't realize like skim milk is mostly sugar, you know, it's very insulinogenic and I'm not against dairy. I'm not like saying don't drink dairy, but I, I sure. definitely think a lot of people aren't thinking about how we were raised on like skim milk and cereal, oh, you yeah. know, like, oh, that's yeah. what I ate growing up. It's no wonder I had such bad acne and had issues with my skin. And like, you know, since, um, since really working on my insulin sensitivity, my wrinkles have gone away. Like I have very few yeah. wrinkles now you know? And it's just so interesting how we don't get taught this stuff in medical school. We get taught like very different things in our training. And I'm just so convinced that if it, like, if most people realize that they had prediabetes, like one in three people have prediabetes and 80% don't know it. If all those people realize, realize that there's a way to identify that you have a problem before it becomes full-blown disease, wouldn't you want to know that? Like, wouldn't you want to have this information because like polycystic ovarian disorder is highly linked to insulin resistance and it's totally treatable. You know, there are ways to, to modify your diet to optimize your insulin sensitivity. And yet nutrition is just not taught well in medical school. It's barely taught, you know, and it's a huge disservice to people because it's such a big driver of disease. Well, if it's not taught well in medical school, imagine the rest of us like me who never went to medical school. Right. I mean, right. You know, it's definitely not taught in journalism school, for example, or, or any other school. And I want to park on women for a second, because you, you brought this up a minute ago and you and I are both women and a lot of people listening are women as well. You write in the book for many of us, especially for women, the demands of life have become, have begun to dim that spark. So other than eating all the foods I love, basically chips, drinking, <laughs> soda, living, living my life, how I want to in my dreams, which I, I don't anymore. I actually eat um, pretty much 85% of the time these days, a modified whole 30 diet, which is no sugar. No, oh, I love that diet. I mean, I, well, I hate it so much, but, I, but uh, I love what, I love what it does for my body. I miss, yeah. I miss the foods I love, but I love what it does for me. I mean, you're right. Your I, yes. And like, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about that glow, um, I'm not a big drinker of anything. Like I don't drink a lot throughout the day. I drink at meals and that's about it. But I remember about, I don't know, 12 years or so ago, I had a kidney stone, which was the first and only thankfully time I ever had one. And to flush the kidney stone out, I had to drink in an inordinate amount of water, right? Like just yeah. all I, all I did all day for like two days was just sit there and drink water. And let me tell you my skin 
never looked better. I was literally glowing. I felt so alive. And of course I didn't keep that habit up because I am so bad at all things. That's why your book has been so critical for me, but talking about women, what are some factors that contribute to our spark dimming other than eating poorly? Well, you, you named one of them, which is, you know, lack of, lack of proper hydration. So Mm -hmm. it's funny, people don't realize this, but your, your cells actually, when they're making energy, they're running a hydrogen turbine and we get hydrogen from water. So this hydrogen turbine is what it's called ATP ACE and ATP is the energy currency of the cell. It's like money basically. And it's essentially creating the capacity for your cells to generate, um, energy. And so you need hydrogen. So another big thing that people forget is exercise. So we need exercise to send the signal to the cell to make more energy. Mm -hmm. So if you're not regularly exercising, you're not actually telling your cells to make more mitochondria. And so I notice a major, major difference on days when I'm exercising versus days when I'm not, Mm -hmm. I genuinely feel a lot more, um, a lot less energized. A lot of people don't realize that in order to make more energy, you have to send the signal to the cells to make more mitochondria. And so mitochondria are what power your body. And when you exercise, you're sending signals to those cells to make more energy because it says, well, I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. So if I exercise today, then tomorrow might require more energy. So I should probably prepare for tomorrow. And so yeah. your body's always trying to adapt to the future by, by predicting what's going to happen next. So if you don't exercise, your body says, well, I guess I don't have a really big demand tomorrow. So I'm just going to power down and not make it, not make more mitochondria because why would I expend energy to make, to do work, to make more power plants if I'm not going to use them. Mm-hmm. So this is really why it's so key to weight lift and to get a good amount of movement in throughout the day, like walking, non, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis and really give your body the signal to make more mitochondria. Your your muscles are basically big, giant mitochondrial power grids. And so that's something that really got me consistently exercising. The last yeah. thing I would say is that for a lot of women and for a lot of people, we're living in a time of enormous stress. We're living in a world where stress is becoming a major problem for everyone because of the uncertainty in the world. So Caregiving stress is a big part of women's lives, um, especially women who care for family members. Um, it's a there's actually been a lot of research done on caregiving stress, and it actually is very energy taxing. But on top of that, there's a lot of psychological stress by just reading the news mm-hmm. and just like seeing what's going on outside and knowing that like a lot of women are mothers and are sending children to school, knowing that mass shootings are becoming a regular thing. Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons to be anxious in the world right now. And it's really concerning. It's really scary for people. So we have to develop a lot of resilience. We have to develop a lot of psychological strength. We have to find, um, you know, our inner power and connect to, I've, I find really connecting my spirituality to be a huge source of, of like quelling fear and anxiety, but we also need to take a look at how our body's responding to stress. And we need to create the conditions where we, we actually, can monitor our stress regularly. So I personally use a couple different stress monitors. I use cortisol testing and I use heart rate variability monitoring from a company called Hanu Health. And then the cortisol mm-hmm. testing is from Precision Hormones. And I just keep tabs on where my cortisol levels are at. And I also look at where my heart rate variability is. And I also use an aura ring and I check my aura ring every morning to mm-hmm. see how I slept last night, 
to see, you know, what was my readiness level? You know, how did I actually respond to, um, to rest? Did I get proper sleep? Did I get proper recovery from the exercise I did the the day before? And like today, for example, I'm looking at my heart rate variability and I slept quite a lot the last couple of days Mm -hmm. and it was 62, which is really high for me. I mean, it's not great. I mean, I would love to be a hundred, but given that it used to be a lot lower when I was really stressed out about a month ago, I've like doubled my heart rate variability just from cutting coffee out and getting more rest and switching up my exercise regimen by doing a lot less intense exercise and just being a little bit more careful with my body, giving Mm -hmm. my body some space to relax and recover from high stress. I love that. And I've heard such great things about the aura ring. I really need to check that out. And, you know, I love from the book, the good news is that even if our spark is dimmed, we can reignite the spark and, and your book tells us how, and, you know, I think you say it best, we can maximize our energy potential so we can stay as brilliant as possible for as long as possible. I love that. And, you know, you mentioned this term at the top of the show. I, I had not heard it until I read your book. I bet a lot of my listeners have not heard it biohacking and that yeah. is, yeah, that manipulation of your own health and performance. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you've used it? Yeah. So basically biohacking is taking information from your body. You can, you know, you can just go through questionnaires online or you can gather data through wearable technology or laboratory tests, or even just downloading apps that just look at your environment you're living in. Like, you know, let's say you're living in a city with a lot of pollution. You can download an air quality index on your phone and find out, you know, maybe I should get some air purifiers for my house. So it's using data to drive better decisions, to optimize our health in our unique environment, because we're all living in different places. We all have different family histories, different stories, Mm -hmm. different stressors. And so it's taking in ways of gathering data and saying, wow, you know, I need to make some changes. Like what I was telling you about with my cortisol levels, you know, I got my cortisol levels checked and my morning cortisol levels were so high that I was like, "Uh Oh, I have been really pushing it too hard this year. I've got a company, I've got a book launch, I've got a practice and patience and I moved and moving was very stressful. I also taught at Stanford and I fundraised for my company. So all these things are enormous stressors. And so I was putting my body under a lot of extra stress. This is not a normal year, but the beauty of my life is that I know how to course correct when things get a little bit out of hand. So I created the conditions of changing my lifestyle, my behavior, weaning myself off coffee, getting more rest, changing up my exercise regimen, changing up my diet. And as a result, I've seen major improvements in my heart rate variability, and I've been lowering my heart rate and your heart rate's a good, you know, baseline measure of how stressed you are. So my Mm -hmm. heart rate currently 55, which is actually pretty optimal for someone who, who works out. I have learned so much from this book. And as we lead into the last question for you, here's, here's a couple of things that I learned just a couple there's, I mean, pages and pages of them, but greater energy equals greater performance obviously less energy equals less performance. And we are in an energy crisis, as you put it. And I also learned that there's a difference. And of course I knew this probably logically, but the way you put it just makes it so relatable. There is a difference between the length of life versus the length of health. And I I want my length of health to be as long as my length of life. And so I need to start doing so many things in this book to get my spark back, if you will. And so my, my last question for you is, what do you ultimately hope readers get out of this book? Because there's so much here. It's so rich with information, but what do you hope readers ultimately get out of the spark factor? 
Well, I think the first thing that I'm trying to really teach people is a new paradigm of thinking about health. So mm-hmm. we've, we've been kind of taught health is about lifestyle and health is about, you know, eating, eating properly. And we know all of this stuff, but we don't really always know why, like, well, why should I eat healthy? Why should I exercise? Why should I stress less? Like, why should I spend more time with my family and my friends? Why is love so important to health? And I think I've provided a really unique new way of seeing the body so that individuals can actually say, oh, energy, like my, my body has batteries and my body has energy supply. And it's this energy supply that powers my life. And if I have better energy levels, I'm going to live longer and healthier, and I'm going to be able to maintain my body and heal faster. And so that first thing I want people to take from the book is like, what is this new paradigm about? What does this mean? Energy capacity. And how can I optimize my energy levels? That's really the key takeaway is like, if you really want to master, your, you know, living a long and healthy life and, and having, you know, enough energy to take care of your kids and your grandkids. Well, it turns out that you got to take care of yourself first. You got to put on your face mask. You know, you got to make sure that you properly take care of your body. And if you don't, it's going to be really hard for you to take take care of others. So really, I want women to prioritize their own health and their because they they do so much for others. And at the same time, you know, I want them to realize that you we need to honor our hormones. We need to really look at our life uh, lifespan and realize we're going to have a lot of changes through our lives because of our hormones shifting throughout our lives. So it's, it's really key for women to be gentle with themselves, but to also be aware of where they are in their life and what, and why they have different, you know, biological imperatives, depending on what phase of life they're in. So really trying to give women a bit of a guidebook of what you should be thinking about at different ages that you're in, you know, even different parts of your menstrual cycle, a big piece of the book that I was trying to demystify for women is like, well, what's really going on during my menstrual cycle? Why yeah, do I, I feel love that part of the book? I love, it. you know, why do I feel so energized during right after my period? And why do I feel so tired right before my period starts? Yes. And why is that normal? You know, like, it, is that normal? And when is it not normal? Like, when should I be worried about things? And so that, that was really key, but the biggest takeaway from the book, and I think the biggest thing that we all need to be focusing on right now, given the way the world is going is the role of healthy relationships and longevity. So, you know, our stress levels are basically constantly draining our energy levels. And so when we have a lot of stress, we are literally taxing those mitochondria more than anything else. And it's our relationships that create the most stress in our lives. So it's really key for us to really look at our sources of stress and learn to do conflict resolution, learn to manage our stress levels, learn to like really, really learn to love others as much as we can, because our social connections are what will keep us alive long-term, especially if they're healthy social connections. Like we need to really encourage women to build community around us, to be community leaders and to really, um, kind of recognize the role of human connection in longevity. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest factor we know in long-term health and happiness is our social connections is our loving relationships and so emphasizing that as the ultimate biohack is really the conclusion of the book. It's, it was the thing that I didn't even realize was going to be so important until I started teaching at Stanford. And I was like, oh my God, how did I miss this really, really, really important facet of health and how, and it's so unique to, it's so unique that women are very oxytocin dominant. We're really, we, we are designed to bond. We're designed to be the social glue. We're designed to actually hold the communities together. And I think we have a unique you know, role in, in helping heal America 
because we can, we can be the ones to really encourage nourishing social connection and creating the conditions where we can all come together. I mean, you've just sold a bajillion copies of this book, <laughs> everything you just said, but I'm just thinking like, man, when she said the thing about wrinkles, she just sold herself like a five bajillion books, but everything in this book is so rich. It's so good. And you know what, when you, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, of course that's so logical, but it's all put together in this one book. And I have been making some serious health changes in my life. And this, this book came at just the right time. And I thank you for it. It's called the, the spark factor, the secret to supercharging energy, becoming resilient and feeling better than ever is out January 31st. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for this book, which needs to be on all of our bedside tables as a reference guide forever. Thank you so much. Rachel, thank you so much. You really made my day. So thankful for her time. And I hope there will be many more wellness episodes to come on this show. Once again, the book is The Spark Factor, The Secret to Supercharging Energy, Becoming Resilient, and Feeling Better Than Ever. And it is out now. So friends, we've got a jam-packed February with an episode coming out over the weekend on status. And then next week, episodes about the Beatles and James Bond and choosing to say what if. And then later this month, finding enchantment again. And yes, we actually will close out the month with another wellness episode about why we crave what we crave. So good. I haven't dropped this here in a while, but don't forget, you can always email me what you're reading and what you're loving at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com. I will always respond to you. Have a great week and we'll be back with more of season six very soon.